wrenching coming-of-age novel about a forbidden romance between two men with religious differences. A memoir about a woman who leaves her marriage because of bad sex. A poetry collection about grief, pop singers, and being alive at the end of the world. What do all of these have in common? Well, they are all titles featured on NPR's Books We Love Reading Guide for 2022. The end of the year is a fertile time for reflection, to look back on where we've been. The books we've read and loved in a year can tell us all kinds of things about what we've learned during the year, how we felt, and how we changed. You shared some of your favorite books this year with us. My favorite book of 2022 is called Vagina Obscura by Rachel Gross. Once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. It's a super compelling book about recent researchers of the anatomy of women that has been ignored for hundreds of years. The book that changed my life this year is Cured by Dr. Jeffrey Redinger. It was a recommendation from my local station. It's been life-changing because it has touched on everything that I believe when it comes to health, spiritual health, mental health, and physical health. It's also led me to some other books that have been instrumental in um, my life this year and as I plan for my future. So I highly recommend it. Rebecca and Beatrice, thanks for those messages. After the break, we round up some of the best books of the year with our panel. I'm NPR's Sarah McCammon, in for Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We've got a lot to cover, so stay with us. Let's jump into our book roundup. Joining us is Andrew Limbong. He's a reporter for NPR's Arts and Culture Desk and hosts NPR's Book of the Day podcast. Andrew, welcome. Yo, what's up, Sarah? How you doing? Good to talk with you. Also with us is Hunter McClendon. He's a book influencer who runs the Instagram page Shelf by Shelf. Hi, Hunter. Good to have you with us. Hi. So nice to be here. So, Andrew, I'm going to start with you. What were your favorite books of 2022 and why? Oh, okay. This is a this is a hot topic. <laughs> All right. Um, one I think one of my favorite books uh, this year was called Latvona. It's by um, Otessa Moshveg. I think a lot of your listeners might know her from uh, My Year of Rest and Relaxation, um, which was her big hit, and it kind of like started popping off on TikTok this year. Um, I gotta say, like this might be like a, another spicy book take, but I think Latvona might be better than that book, even though it was it was kind of hot on the discourse this year. It's about this um, kid, this poor kid named Merrick, who lives in this uh, medieval village, a fictional medieval village uh, known as Latvona, um, and through a process of you know kind of <laughs> violent disasters, he ends up being a adopted into the sort of royal family. And it's this sort of like gross look at class differences and power in this village and how the strings are sort of pulled. Um, and, you know, if you if you know Moshfeg's writing, um, she, she's good at being like kind of gross, like at body horror stuff. You know, she's like firing at all cylinders when she's writing about like how someone like smells and what their skin is like. It's like, ugh, <laughs> you, know, you don't really want it. But, but it like, takes I'm, you there, huh? Yeah, it, t- it takes you there. You kind of like feel how putrid this town is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, I don't know, it, I, I find it so interesting philosophically about religion and and how like the powers that be sort of like control our lives, whether or not those things are real. I, I don't know. It made me like think a lot. And, you know, like you were talking about in the intro, it's like, I think I came out of the book like kind of a different person than I d- d- was when I came in. Okay. Say the title one more time, Andrew, for those. Uh, who the the title is called Lapvona, L-A-P-V-O-N-A by Otessa Moshveg. Okay. And Hunter, what about you? 
Um, I have uh, far too many favorite books of this year, but uh, the book, the the first book I read this year on New Year's Day was The Swimmers by Julie Otsuka. And I read it in one sitting. It's I think it's less than 150 pages, but it's about this uh, community of swimmers uh, and what happens when they're, uh, a crack develops in the pool and it has to shut down. And it ends up being this beautiful meditation on community and memory. And it, to have you know such a small little book stay with me for an entire year, I think speaks volumes for its impact. And that is one that I loved. And I also really enjoyed The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser, which I, uh, is an essay collection that kind of explores identity and the way that we recalibrate our identity depending on who we're with. And those two books, I, I think I love more than anything else I've read this year. Well, it's funny you should mention that because uh, earlier this year, we spoke to C.J. Hauser about their essay collection, The Crane Wife, that you mentioned. And here's a bit of that conversation. The joy and the terror of working on this book was that so much of the work I was doing, I sort of take the reader along for the ride. So they sort of see me going through the process as I'm doing it. But when I say the process, I think what was important to me in this book was to tell a lot of different kinds of love stories and to construct them in ways that made sense to me and didn't have necessarily pat endings or sort of chronological timescapes. And so to use those tools that I know from being a fiction writer too, to sort of tell my life as it actually is and it's messy and it's in funny shapes and sometimes things aren't resolved, but none of that means it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't mean it wasn't meaningful to me, even if it wasn't quote unquote permanent, which I think we often require our loves to be in order for them to be legible to other people. That was the work of the book for me, was taking these things and turning them into these stories that I call stories that I name love. And you can listen to more of that conversation with C.J. Hauser on our website, theoneA.org. Hunter, what did this essay collection do for you that maybe others this year didn't? Honestly, I think that, um, I think it's so rare to see someone be so so honest and so funny and also to have there's not one essay in here that is boring or feels like filler in any way every single one feels so intentional and i think i think just really being i think you know as uh i think it, she writes a lot about they write about like queerness and how when your queerness also is a is a version of um we shift our identities a lot and kind of compartmentalize and stuff. And I think that this is the first time I've seen that fully articulated in this way. And that's just something that, um, that really spoke to me and, and I think made me feel very seen. And I really appreciated that. Now, Andrew, there are more than 400 books in NPR's reading guide this year, and we'll share a link to that guide on our Twitter, which is at one a, how did your team go about putting together this giant list of books? Yeah, shout shout out to the books team at NPR. Um, it's uh, you you probably got that email right, Sarah. Like in in the fall, everyone full disclosure, at NPR, I did. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Everyone at NPR gets that that email, being like, "Hey, let let us know what your favorite books of the year were and hit us up." Um, and then you know you submit your your favorite reads of the year, um, and then the books team sort of curates that and compiles that together, um, and then um, you know bot like <laughs> make sure that people like me follow up and actually. F- <laughs> fulfill our assignments and stuff like that um and then they compile all those books together to this like massive list you know like you said this year it's like 400 books um and and just put them out there and and i think it's interesting i love it 
compared to, you know, no shots to other like year end best of lists that are like, you know, here here here's the 10 best books of the year or whatever. Um, I, I think the NPR's Books We Love platform is a lot more democratic and a lot more open to like books off the beaten path and books you might not, you know, have read or books that don't necessarily make like the the National Book Awards list or stuff like that. Um, and, you know, just real You're quick. You're letting I, a bunch of NPR <laughs> correspondents and staffers uh, nerd out. And so, yeah, yeah you went exactly. up with 400 books. Yeah, go down, go down into your own <laughs> rabbit hole. Let us know what you're into, dude, you know? Um, but, but but I know 400 books sounds like a lot, like a lot and a lot. Um, and the best thing about it are the filters that you can sort um, on the side. And so uh, the, the thing I've been telling people about it is that like, okay, every book is not going to be for you, but everyone should be able to find a book you know, that's for them. And so the filters really help you like narrow down your choices and pick something that, you know, if you, I don't know if it's going to be for you or if you, you know, it's what, December 14th, you know, got that shopping to do, got that gift giving guys going, you know, to find the perfect book for like a picky reader or something. Not to mention, I'm finally taking some time off after the holidays and Mm -hmm. I'm ready to just, you know, read something fun, which maybe we'll get to a little bit later. But, you know, I did want to ask you quickly about that, Andrew. You know, there's, um, I was thinking about back over the books I read this year, and most of them were, frankly, kind of serious for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, But how Mm -hmm. do you think about that mix, right, of like books can be everything. They can be entertaining. They can be silly. They can be really intense. um, They can be a learning experience. They can be frivolous, and it's all fine. But how do you think about the balance of of books you're uh, recommending? Yeah, I think for for me, and this is my own personal taste, if it's not a little funny – I, I don't like it. And I'm using funny very broadly. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, ha, 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 funny. It could just be like, oh, huh, that's funny. <laughs> you know, like the different flavors of funny. If there like is a little self-awareness, a little yeah, sort of just not taking just like, life too seriously. Exactly. Just like some, just like a touch of levity. It doesn't even need to be like necessarily like a joke joke. It could be kind of like wry or something like that. Um, you know, one of the books I, I, one of the other books I blurbed is called If I Survive You. It's a short story collection by uh, Jonathan Escoffrey. Um, and you know, it's about, it's a, it's about this Jamaican family in Miami kind of told through the eyes of, uh, one of the, the young men in the family named Trelawney. Um, and like on, on, if I were to be talking about this in an academic sort of setting, I can talk about how like, it's about identity and it's about how like, um, the American government has destabilized all of these nations and like through the CIA and you know during the Cold War and it's about poverty and class and blah 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 but like the guy's also kind of like a like a horny dirtbag <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> there's just like enough of that like he's so the the main characters are so well written that when they when they goof when they mess up in a kind of a funny way you're just like oh bro come on what are you doing dude you know like you can like roast them like he's your homie and and you know, books that hit that perfect balance that can give you that like sort of chin scratching, like, oh, yes, the the history of, you know, destabilization is X, Y, Z, blah, 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 while also feeding that to you through something kind of funny and more personal, I think, is the, is the best way to go. Hunter, I want to ask you a related question, which is 400 books is a lot, and there are many, many more books than that published every year. What advice do you have for people who are just overwhelmed with all of the options out there for picking a good book? You know, I'm sometimes I feel very hippy dippy with how I pick out books. I kind of like wave my hand around and just kind of like land on something. But I think that um, something that I always do that is just really helpful to me. Um, anytime that a, if a book's title or cover is interesting, I'll kind of flip to the back and see who splurbed it. And if there's any authors who I love, I often kind of assume like, okay, well, if they really enjoyed it, it's either because 
they write something kind of similar, they explore different, some of the same ideas. And, and that's one thing that's always kind of helped me. And also, I think that, um, I think that finding, uh, talking to, talking to, you know, uh, your local bookstore, the owner, the, the people at your local bookstore and stuff, and they can kind of gauge where you're at and that find, finding your people who kind of like have a similar reading taste and just kind of seeing what they're reading is really helpful to me. And here's a message we got from Linda talking about her favorite book of the year, The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. It's the most human, non-human character I've ever read about in a book, and I identify with it so much. Uh, the stories are brilliant, futuristic, but not unrealistic, and I could live in that world. I love that there's a whole series because I don't have to say goodbye to Murderbot for a while. Linda, thanks so much for that message. You know, Hunter, I'll go back to you. What is it that makes a book rise to the level of best book for you? Not just a book you want to read, but just absolutely top of the list. What qualities does it have to have? You know, um, this is going to sound so silly, but I think anytime that um, – I'm obsessed with fried chicken, and anytime that a book makes me forget <laughs> about fried chicken, it's kind of like – I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, but, you know, I, I'm looking for books that um, – I don't want to read the same book over and over again. So if a book is really saying or doing something new, uh, that's really exciting for me. I, I want it to, um, I, I, I don't want to say I want to learn from it because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, dismiss the art of it, but I, I do. I want to, I want to be able to uh, engage with it on an intellectual level. I want to be able to, um, I want to also be able to enjoy it. I want it to have all of the qualities. I don't want it to just be intellectual. I don't want it to just be fun. I want it to be kind of everything. And I think that um, I think that when you find a book that does all those things, it, it does kind of bring it to the top of the list for me. So fried chicken specifically, if it can distract you from that, you're good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous that it's just one food that you need to be distracted from. <laughs> um, Andrew, what about you? What makes a book like top of very, very top of your list? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I think I have a, I have a hard, like, it's pretty easy to get into my, like, like 8.5 to 9 range. Like that, that wide range of books is pretty, is pretty like kind of like a lower bar to get into, to get to that like upper echelon of like a a perfect 10. I mean, those 10 books, I don't think I've read one in a couple years. And that's just like, you know, my own personal taste. I think those are the ones, those are the types of books that I'll be think that I think about like years later, you know, and just be like, oh, my, my life literally changed after I read that book, like, you know, in various different ways or whatever, whether it's just like your, your perception of what a book can do or what a writer can do, or just like what the perfect sentence is. Um, that's a, that's an extremely high, high fluting bar for me, uh, for a book to hit. Um, but like a book uh, that changed your life off the top of your head. I mean, not to sound like a, not to sound like I went to school for English, which I did, but like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but nothing wrong like, with that. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, like, I remember just being like 16 and re- or 17 and reading like The Sound and the Fury in high school by, you know, William Faulkner and just like blow it. Like, my mind was like, what? First of all, it was going like, what? Because I didn't understand what the heck was going on. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, I was like, what? This is like brand new to me. You know, it felt so weird and odd. We're discussing the best books of 2022. Remember to join us for future conversations. Download the 1A Vox Pop app and leave us a message. We'll hear more from you and our guests in a moment. Let's get back to our book roundup for 2022 with this tweet from Jamie, who writes, My favorite books this year were Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel and Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpot. 
We spoke to writer Emily St. John Mandel this year about her new book, Sea of Tranquility. It was featured on several best book lists, including NPR's Books We Love. We spoke to writer Emily St. John Mandel this year about her new book, Sea of Tranquility. It was featured on several best books lists, including our own, NPR's Books We Love. Sea of Tranquility moves in time from Vancouver Island in 1912 to a moon colony in the year 2400. It's very much about friendship, about love, about the responsibilities that we have to each other as people. There is a time-traveling detective in it because... If we can be honest here, I wrote it in 2020 and like we were all a little deranged that year. So it's a it's kind of a strange book. Um, It's about a series of anomalies that this detective is investigating. Imagine if two different moments in time were to corrupt one another. If, say, you heard a piece of music in 1912 that was being performed live in the year 2300. And what might that mean? Perhaps it means that we're living in a simulation. So it was it was a really fun book to write. Hunter, what were your thoughts on that book, The Sea of Tranquility? I actually really enjoyed it. I, um, it's funny because I think that that book uh, shares a lot of um, shares a lot of uh, DNA in some ways with To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara, which also came out this year. Um, I think they both kind of they both take place in uh, multiple timelines and all these explorations. But I think that uh, Sea of Tranquility is. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to kind of articulate it because, it, it, like she said, it's a very weird book. But um, I think what really resonated with me about that one is how she writes about characters. I think that she uh, explores the dynamics between people in such beautiful and profound ways. Um, and I think that uh, I think the way that she explored the idea of reality was also really interesting too. Are there other patterns you've noticed, Hunter, about some of the books released this year? You just made a connection between a couple of them. Yeah, um, you know, I so this year, especially I was uh, I read I read the National Book Award long list every year. I've been doing a project where I read uh, every single fiction book long listed since 1950. And something I've noticed uh, this year in particular is that a lot of the books have been in conversation with uh, books from prior years, and so I think that's just really interesting. And I've also noticed, uh, you know, every, uh, it was mentioned Latvona was mentioned earlier by Otessa Moshveg, and I think that. Um, her previous book, My Year of Rest and Relaxation, is considered on like Book Talk and Instagram. It's considered a, a, sad, a sad girl novel, and I've noticed that a lot of books uh, have kind of fallen into that genre uh, this year. Like All This Could Be Different by Sarah Thinkin Matthews. Uh, we do what we do in the dark by Michelle Hart and Acts of Service by Lillian Fishman, and um, and they all kind of explore this idea of kind of just being like a kind of a sad millennial. And I think that that's just like a really common thing that's happening right now. <laughs> I'm as old as you can be and be a millennial, but I, I can't I can't really disagree. Um, Andrew, you host, as we've said, NPR's Book of the Day podcast. Um, what kind of perspective does that give you, talking about a, basically a different book every day? Well, yeah, it sort of gives you like a, a wide-ranging look at the sort of like book's landscape. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, as Hunter was talking, I think I'm, I'm beginning to realize that like this year has been a, a big book for writers trying to outbox their previous selves. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Hanya Yanagihara sort of like comes out with this new book and like A Little Life is like this sort of like massive tome that she's like trying to write under the shadow of, right? Um, you know, Moshfeg has like my year of relaxation she's boxing herself out of. Um, I think also like Jennifer Egan came out with a new book and I remember 
uh, it's called like the Candy House, um, and you know she's probably best known for um, a visit from the Goon Squad, which won the Pulitzer Prize. And so like these kind of interesting trends sort of poke out when you when you look at like a book a day and seeing what. Um, what, what's happening sort of in the world. And also what, what's, what's good about the Books We Love platform is that you can sort of do that at the end of the year too. Um, I think interestingly enough, you know, I was just like clicking around the other day and noticed that there, there have been a decent amount of books about like caretaking, hmm. um, which, which is interesting. I, I know we're about to go into a segment sort of about caretaking, you know, up next, but I think, you know, on, on the books we love, if you like click around on like book club ideas and nonfiction, there's, um, there's this book by Angela Garbus called Essential Labor, um, which is an arguments book uh, that looks at motherhood and, and as like work, you know, vastly underappreciated and like obviously underpaid work. Um, but it is like work that people don't really like, you know, coded as such. Um, underpaid. I have yet to be paid at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Vastly, vastly underpaid. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and there's another book um, called um, by Lynn Tillman called Mother Care, um, which is a memoir about her sort of taking care of her mother who is like slowly dying. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those like honest like looks at books that like about things that we don't love talking about because, you know, for, for a, a plethora of reasons. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting that these ideas have been germinating. And I think, you know, we can p- draw a pretty clear distinction as to why like it books in 2020 like books about like taking care of others have been popping off lately you know well and as i hear both of you talking um in, including hunter's comment about sad millennials i mean it occurs to me millennials are entering midlife now in many cases and um everybody is it has come out of this this time of just intense um change and often uh, you know, overwhelming workloads, caretaking on top of everything else. Um, and it sounds like that's that's reflected in in some of the reading. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's that like caretaking both ways, right? Like to older and younger. And it's it's an intense workload. Joan emails, my favorite book is Horse by Geraldine Brooks. It's wonderful. It's about art, the history of the antebellum South, race and horse breeding. Jennifer says, The Firekeeper's Daughter is a gripping mystery whose main character is half Ojibwe, half white star hockey player. As she investigates a drug ring and murders on the reservation, she has to navigate her two different communities that have a history of conflict and racism. Jennifer says, I love how Ojibwe culture and language is shared in a very natural way. I'd love to see a strong female character learning and growing. We also heard from a listener named uh, Niha. Hi, my name is Neha Mishra, and I'm calling about your segment on the best books of 2022. If Lessons in Chemistry comes up, I really hope you'll take a critical look at it. I've been disappointed to see it on many best of lists when it's a book that doesn't feature a single character of color and really focuses on white feminism, treatment of white women during the 50s and 60s, and nothing about what was happening to other women of color during that time. It's being praised as a feminist marvel, and I was very disappointed. Best of, though, remarkably bright teachers and the love songs of W.E.B. Du Bois. Neha, thanks so much for that message. You know, Andrew or Hunter, I wonder if either of you happened to read that book, Lessons in Chemistry, and if you had any thoughts. Well, I did not. I did not read it, but I know a lot of friends who did. And I, it, the thing is, I think that we see we've actually seen this happen a lot over the years. I think um, a book that I really enjoyed a couple years ago was uh, I think it was called The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer, and it was also one of those books that was like highly praised as like, oh, this is a look at feminism, but it really was about like you know um, like cis white feminism, and and we you know we do want to see more exploration of um, 
intersectional feminism. And I, and I, I think I have seen a couple of people, friends of mine who've read it, uh, Lessons in Chemistry, have had some qualms about that. So I, do, I think it's kind of, I don't know. Well, you know, it, she raises a good, a good point. Many of these books are compiled, you know, even these book lists are compiled by a small number of people. Andrew, how do you think about that? And, and particularly being mindful of some of the biases that can show up on these lists of books. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also part of why we cast our net so widely, you know, um, that way we can just sort of make sure to catch like everyone's different experiences and stuff like that. But it is interesting, you know, I, I was reminded, um, you know, in talking about lessons of chemistry, I was reminded by another book I loved this year um, called Ducks. It's by uh, Kate Beaton. Um, she she She's popular for her webcomic uh, series, Hark a Vagrant, which uh, your listeners might be familiar with. Um, she, you know, she's a white woman and it's about the two years she spent um mining for oil in Northern Canada after college. Right. And it's this like very empathetic look at, um, at, at the, at the oil industry there, but it's also, and you know, she's surrounded by men and faces some like pretty gnarly treatment at, you know, there. Um, but it's also really sensitive in how it deals with like whose land they're on. Right. And that's what I liked about the book um, so much. The memoir is that she, it, there's like a late turn in real when she realizes that she wasn't even thinking about that, right? And she comes off as kind of like a a self, you know, like just sort of like closed minded, and like she opens her eyes to like, well, I've been like thinking about just like myself and all of this, but like, how do I fit into like whose land we're on? Like, what do we belong here, and and what have we done to the to the people that you know that live here? Um, so it's 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 interesting when writers try to like you know, deal with intersectionality and like all those other politics in, in a sensitive way. Hunter, do you have any recommendations for how readers can, you know, diversify their reading, maybe look in places they haven't thought to look before? You know, I, um, I'm part of like that, you know, uh, book Instagram community. And I think that um, honestly, a really great way to find a lot of these books is to really look at who you're following. And I, I know that, you know, the majority of people who are on Bookstagram are, are um, you know, cisgender, heterosexual, white women. But if you kind of look around, you can find other people who are really kind of uh, share, putting a spotlight on a lot of books that are kind of going under the radar. And um, and I think I think just like kind of developing more of an awareness, like, like you know, kind of looking at what you're reading and asking yourself, like, am I, like, am I actually reading as diverse as I think I am? And, and, having that awareness, I think, can kind of help you whenever you're looking for other reads in the future, too. Andrew, were there any books that you kept seeing on best of lists that you just didn't connect with? <laughs> you trying to, you try to get me to be a hater on here? <laughs> <laughs> you <trying> to... <laughs> no, every book I've read was was beautiful and precious, and, and I love them all. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm apprehensively... Oh, yeah, all right. There's that new Cormac McCarthy book, right? That that came out, which which is getting on on the all the best of list. Um, I'm a big late era Cormac McCarthy fan. Um, I've tried I've tried multiple times to read some of the earlier stuff, like Blood Meridian, and I'm just like, ugh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm I'm curious I'm curious as to like what brand of Cormac McCarthy um, this latest one is. Well, one of our listeners did tweet, Cormac McCarthy is a fascinating author. His books, The Road, going back a bit there, Outer Dark, The Passenger, don't have traditional plots, but they are captivating stories. The characters are so real and therefore relatable. He's definitely not for everyone, but I think that's why I like him. Uh, we've got about another minute. So in 30 seconds or so, I'd like to ask each of you what you're looking forward to reading next year. And Andrew, I'll go back to you. Um, one of the books I'm looking forward to next year is this book called Ringmaster. Um 
uh, by Abraham Reisman. Uh, she used to be, I think, a writer at New York Mag. Um, it is, and uh, she wrote this uh, biography of uh, Stanley. That was really good. Um, this book is a look at Vince McMahon, who uh, ran the WWE and has since sort of like resigned um, in the face of some like sexual misconduct allegations. Um, I'm not a big wrestling person, but I am like. 33 years old and have like grown up in the shadow of like wrestling. And I think it's such a fascinating prism to view like American politics and culture and what better way to look at it than look at the dude running it. Quickly, Hunter McClendon, what kinds of books do you want to read next year? Uh, the only book that's on my radar is Lauren Groff is supposed to have a book called The Vaster Wilds. And I don't know much about it, but I will read anything that she puts out. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Lots to think about. We've been talking with Andrew Limbong, reporter for NPR's Arts and Culture Desk, and Hunter McClendon, a book influencer who runs the Instagram page Shelf by Shelf. Thanks so much to both of you and happy reading next year. Today's producers were Haley Blassingame and Maya Garg. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Sarah McCammon, sitting in for Jen White. Let's talk more soon. This is 1A.